having dinner, we're hanging out on our patio, and Nadia goes, you know what, Malik? I think, I think we need a domestic slave. <laughs> That's the level we're at. I just wanted to throw that out there. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their funny, sexy, and fascinating stories as they take us on their journey. Sit back, relax, and just accept the fact that your time with us will be spent in an awkward turmoil of laughter and arousal. We should also let you know that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. If that kind of thing offends you, we suggest that you keep listening until it no longer does. If you're under 18, you either need to stop listening or go get your parents and listen as a family. The choice is yours. Enjoy! Hi everyone, welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy. We're your hosts, Finn and Emma, and this is the third and final episode of our launch series. If you haven't listened to the other two, please go back and give them a listen. We were really excited to record those episodes. They were a lot of fun to put together, and we're really excited to be bringing you guys this podcast. After today, we plan to release a new episode every Wednesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on all of the awesome interviews we have lined up for everyone. Yeah, and today is no exception to that. We have an awesome interview here with Nadia and Malik, two podcasters who started a show a couple of months back. I can't for the life of me remember the name of the show, <laughs> but um, they they give a lot of fantastic advice today and we're super excited and we wanted to thank them again for coming on the show and for sharing all of their wisdom with us. So uh, with that, we're just going to jump right in and we'll see you guys on the other side. Well, cheers to a great episode. Yeah, cheers to a great episode. <laughs> they expected us to be sober. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, so, well, thank you guys for coming on the show and being uh, guests for us. We know you guys are killing it on your own podcast, and we gave a little bit of intro that you obviously didn't hear, but um, for anybody that maybe doesn't know who you are, could you, first of all, tell us what's in your glass, since I know that's a tradition, uh, and and then tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, maybe your age, rough geographic location, um, you know, are you married, how long you've been married, and and we'll dive into the, the juicy details after that. Again, I'm Lily Black. Okay, and I'm Nadia Black, and tonight I'm sipping Ooh. on Jameson and Vanilla Soda. And I have the exact same thing. And, you know, thank you for having us on the show. And when it comes to us, we're both 30s. We live in the southwest part of the United States. We're married. We've been together for 10 years. Lots of ups and lots of downs during that time. And as it relates to being non-monogamous, we've been doing that for a little over six months and just testing it out, learning a little bit more about the the lifestyle as it relates to being non-monogamous and being polyamory. And we, I think it's more than a test now. We really enjoy it. I was yeah. going to say, I'm, uh, this, having listened to your show, to say that you're just testing it out, I don't know if that's a true story, but I, we'll dive into that a little bit. So I guess, how did you guys decide to start down this path? Yeah, who it brought depends. it up and kind of... <laughs> yeah, it depends on who you ask. So this is an interesting question for both of us. Um, 
So I always thought it was because I talked about wanting a girlfriend, um, somewhat jokingly, but then also dead seriously, and that I was starting to influence his decision. Little did I know, until we started doing our own podcast, little did I know that he had actually been researching non-monogamy and listening to Swinger podcasts and all this for two years before he ever brought it up to me. Yeah, I was interested in as related to the lifestyle to a degree. And there are a lot of great podcasts such as yours and a lot of great pieces of information that were out there. And it gave me the opportunity to learn a little bit more about it before I presented it to Nadia. And it should be no surprise that she was down for the idea of prior to, to being married with me, Nadia exclusively, dated, one, Nadia exclusively dated women. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. We just started talking about it, and then I jumped in. So because I am the slutty one that just makes terrible life decisions sometimes, I got on the apps and started finding people, and next thing you know, I was in bed with somebody else. And well, here we are well. now, six months later. <laughs> so I guess that maybe is a good lead into how how do you guys meet other people? You mentioned some apps, and uh, I think a lot of people out there – are starting to drift that way, but what do you guys typically prefer? Yeah, good question. A lot of it's been mainly apps in the beginning. I would probably say for the first five to six months, it was a lot of Tinder. I don't know if you are familiar with Field. And they're just using like seeking arrangements and other like random sites that were out there just to get a sense of what was out there in the lay of the land. But recently, we've started moving towards doing more live events. And that's a really great way in the community in which we live to connect with local people and learn a little bit more about other people that are also non-monogamy. Yeah, like a now, meet and greet or something. Meet and greets, kink events, um, in workshops, things like that are really big um, for us. And also now we're starting to be introduced to other people in the lifestyle through our current partners. So there's, you know, a very tight-knit community that gets formed, especially in a smaller city. And so everyone kind of knows everyone, and we're realizing what a, a interesting web it is. So now a lot of the people that we meet are because, you know, somebody that I'm you know, having fun with knows somebody else that was looking for to have fun, and we kind of, you know, it's a little incestuous, I can't lie. <laughs> so it sounds like you guys are now looking for people individually when you guys first started was that the strategy or or has it evolved over the past few months i'll pass this one on to malik no short answer <laughs> it was not the strategy uh when, when we started doing this we thought or at least a lot of it was the idea that we'd be able to do this together with other couples and it was shockingly hard to connect with other couples and, and just imagine it if you're listening to this right now you had to connect with your main anchor partner and how difficult that can be as it relates to the fighting and the random arguments and the ups and the downs, right? Now imagine all of a sudden it's you and it's your partner and your partner has to like the partner that you're going to potentially play with. And then you have to like the other partner and then everyone has to like each other. That's a lot. It's getting to a lot of people to like each other. Getting two <laughs> yep. people to like each other is kind of a big deal. And so we, getting four people to like each other it can be kind of tough. And we nailed it the first time. 
the first time we met up with another couple, we nailed it. They were perfect. He was amazing. She was amazing. We all got along. And then it turned into one big shit show. So <laughs> with jealousy and all this, like, you know, weird feelings and tension and things like that. So it was like, yeah. Oh, dang it. So our <laughs> journey into swingerness, swing, being swingers. Swinger done. Swinger done. Yeah, it was a total failure. So polyam has been a lot easier for okay. us because it's just like I have to like the other person and they have to like me. Right. Who cares? You know. Yeah. So has that has that been the shift for you guys now? Has moved to more of a poly dynamic? No, it hasn't been a shift because we kind of started off that way. Okay. And in the very first episode of Monogamy Disrupt, you can find that on iTunes, actually we talk about it. And it wasn't a big shift because we started off really being non-monogamous and more in the poly lifestyle. And in the very, that second episode, Nadia gets on the app Field, that's spelled F-E-E-L-D, and she gets on the app and finds someone that we're thinking we're actually going to have an MFM with. We're going to have a threesome with this guy. She's digging him. The conversation is really good. And we say, Yeah. So we end up meeting them at this restaurant. Nice restaurant. We're having a good time. Nadia's really feeling it. She's got a guy to the left of her, a guy to the right of her. I mean, she's just really enjoying the experience. I was experience. living my best slut life. <laughs> <laughs> so she's enjoying the experience, right? So the time comes where we're, we're coming up with all these signals. Oh, do we need to do a signal in case you... Like triple tap. Yeah, like, you dig it out. And so we basically <laughs> came out and said... He had went to the restroom and he came and sat back down. We had a chance to talk during that brief, you know, period. And he came back, sat down, and we said, "Hey." And Nadia broached the question, "Would you be interested in going somewhere else to continue the fun?" And he said, "What are you thinking?" And we said, "A threesome. Like we'd want to go to bed with you." And he said, mm, "No." <laughs> he said, "No." And the reason why it was totally. Totally, totally weird, but not that bad. He said that he felt that him and I were kind of like homies. We were kind of like friends. And he said he doesn't really like they were both Clarify, they were both black. There was a mm -hmm. lot of, we don't live in a place with a lot of pe like black people. And so it was like that brother vibe versus, you know, something else. And he's totally someone that we could have hung out with and engaged with, right? And I would have hung out with him even by myself. So anyway, so he says, no, but I'd be interested in playing alone with Nadia. Well, that was something that we hadn't thought of. So we had, I had to pump the brakes on that and say, I need to think about it. I need to figure out if that's something we'd want to do. And this is the crazy part. He was leaving the area we were at. So the, and we were getting ready to go on vacation mm -hmm. within like, so this had to be a decision that was like made or it wasn't going to happen. So basically the, the, we slept on it that day. And the next day I said, yeah, I think it's, it's a good idea. It's something that you should do. You're really into him. It might not be an experience that we get because he's leaving and we're leaving. And so it sure enough happened. They played together. And that was really the first experience that we had as a couple. In the lifestyle, yeah. Wow, that's, no, that's really cool. And it's, yeah. it's cool that you guys were able to adjust on the fly so fast. And well, and we're comfortable enough to saying, okay, he said no, but he proposed something else. And okay, we need to think about that a little bit more before saying yes. And that, and you know, even if it was just a few hours, you know, 24 hours, but that's okay. You still took a step back and, and slept on it a little bit. And I think that's important to note to people that you don't have to be, um, feel like uh, in that high pressure situation, you have to make a decision in that yeah. split second. 
I also want to throw out a quick pro tip for any single guys out there. And this was something that I thought of when I heard this story back on your episode is even if you don't have to pee, go to the bathroom for, for five minutes and give the other couple five minutes to talk to each other. So you know that they're on the same page when you come back. Even if you just go in there and play some Angry Birds or whatever the hell <laughs> game you're on these days. Just give give the people a chance to connect and figure out what they want to do. That's that's my two cents. I love that. And I think that's true for unicorns, too. If you're a single – so manicorns and unicorns, if you just – if you're on a date with somebody, like another couple, give them a chance to like feel it out and let them, you know. I love that tip. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for giving me the tip. Yeah. You took over Malik's job. I know it felt like it was just the tip, but that that was the whole thing, Nadia. I apologize. <laughs> no, we can give, that, we can give both of the ladies the tip. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask a question, I guess, about uh, have you met a lot of people your age? And I, I guess I'm asking that because we are we have been together for a very long time as well. Um, we met and started dating when we were 19 years old. And so we actually started in the lifestyle um, swinging when we were very young as well. So it's something that we evolved through our 20s. And I was curious how you guys have experienced it being a little bit younger. I'll take this one. Um, so... Polyam is really popular right now, or like it's coming up on the popular side. And once, so I tend to lean toward alternative communities as is. I, you know, lean toward rock and roll, punk rock, um, weirdo communities. So, and those tend to be the first people to adopt alternative sexual lifestyles. So, a lot of the people that I'm naturally attracted to are just into that anyway. So I have found a lot of other young people who are super into non-monogamy, polyam, not necessarily swinging, because a lot of the people I date are single guys. So they're not necessarily swingers. Although I did, I went to a swingers club with one of the people that I hook up with uh, last week. (laughs) So (laughs) we were swingers together, which was super weird and awesome. Um, So for me, I have not had any trouble finding younger people in the lifestyle. But we're also not looking for couples on on a regular basis. That tends to be something if it just happens, it happens. We end up having relationships with a lot of our our individual partners uh, together. So I think that's probably it. We're not into the swinging community. We're more into the polyamorous community at this point. No, I think that's an important distinction to mention is that the people you're finding are maybe more in that place where they're happy to have multiple partners but they're not with another partner and and maybe that's I don't know if that's a blanket statement that people in their 20s and 30s they're together but they're still focusing on them rather than branching out yeah and I think that's kind of what we we found is that you know when we were we were 24 and 25 years old. We had a very solid relationship because we we met each other very young. We knew each other very well, and we wanted to explore non-monogamy. But a lot of other people in their 20s are not in a mature enough relationship that they can explore that. So um, we ended up meeting a lot of older, you know, older than us people, which was great. I mean, a lot of I don't mean to be age discriminatory at all. I think people of all ages should. Um, you know, be open to this and wanting to meet other people because we learned a lot from people of all ages. Yeah, and we find them all attractive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you bring up about the maturity level, because we're in the same boat. We've been together since we were 20. And so we got married when we were 25, 26-ish and have a really, and we've done a lot of work on our relationship and on us and making sure we're a solid, you know, couple together. Although we were honest, like we almost got a divorce earlier this year for not because of polyamory, but for other stuff. Um, but we feel like we have a really good foundation. And so we're very open to exploring that. But what we found is a lot of other couples our age are just clusterfucks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I didn't ask if I could swear like a sailor on your show. You can, we, we encourage it. So. Okay, um, so that's kind of been our experience is the younger couples I don't necessarily want to mess with them. I like, Give me like a 50 plus year couple that they are in it and they know and they're not going to have jealousy or anything or as much jealousy. Or, you know, yeah. Like I will say too. <clears throat> whoa, sorry. I'm still going through puberty. Uh, <laughs> I will say too that we've seen a little bit of a shift in our area where it's some younger couples in their early 20s and they're, it's almost that they were both not really monogamous on their own. And then they came together and they're like, well, we just want to keep doing that, but we want to be together. And, and I, I think that's a perfectly fair way to approach it. It's, you know, they don't have to have a solid 10 year relationship to do this. If they both know what they enjoy doing. I mean, hell, I, what, yeah. who, who are we to say yeah. who they should have sex with? I don't know. And I think it's, I'm, it's hard to say for sure. Cause I'm not involved in a single dating life, but I hope to, that it's kind of a, becoming a more normal conversation with people out there who are just dating to talk about monogamy. Do you, you know, if do you want to be in a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship? And I, I think, I hope that's becoming more and more common for people to at least have that conversation. Whatever you decide to do, that's fine. But yeah, because I always say if I would have had the words that I have now back when I was 20, we never would have gotten married. We never would have gone into a monogamous relationship because I wasn't, I've always been a slut. Like I just, I, from the time I was 17, like it was just slut life from there. And if I would have known that polyamory was an option, I definitely would have pushed that route from the very beginning. Um, but I mean, I love where we've turned out, but I think it also would have been super fun <laughs> to be open the whole time too. Thanks, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a fair thing to, to maybe talk about is, um, you know, you did mention that you guys almost got a divorce. And I think there's a lot of people listening that would be curious. Like you said it wasn't because of Polly, but it was also shortly after you guys opened your relationship. And I guess, did it play into it? And was maybe Polly the reason that, you guys decided to stay together ultimately? Good question. No, Polly is not the reason we decided to stay together. I think a lot of it related to anytime you have a dynamic and you throw something in that dynamic that's really major, you're going to have major shifts. And so for us, our marriage, it was, it's like, it was like the earth. And it was going around and it was going around and it was good at times and bad at times. But then the poly thing, the being polyam was like a comet. And that comet shook our earth as it released our marriage. And it was something where 
wasn't the one all be all. It wasn't that we were being polyamorous and it was like, oh my gosh, this marriage sucks. I hate you, Nadia. You need to leave type of ordeal. But it did expose us to some of the issues that we had as related to our marriage time, communication, energy, effort, all the things that you want to have in a serious relationship that those 22 year olds don't understand. <laughs> some of them do, but some of them don't. But it gives it gave us that opportunity to take a, a better look at our dynamic and look at our look at our marriage and figure out what's going on and why is it that some of these issues are coming up. The polyamorous was part of that uncovering of the deeper aspects of our marriage. Yeah, it didn't cause any wounds. It just uncovered some some cracks in our foundation that we didn't realize were there. And so then we took a moment and we were super civil during this entire two month process. I and mean, we were still having sex. We were still talking. We were still hanging out. Nobody from the outside would have ever thought anything was wrong because we were just so nice to each other because the whole process for us was, you know, like what it does this look like and does this work and do we can want to continue doing it? So I think some people call this conscious uncoupling. Mm-hmm. uncoupling obviously I've had a couple of drinks so conscious <laughs> uncoupling and like we were going through that to see if this was the route we wanted to take or if we wanted to stay together so we were having this really deep conversation that we probably wouldn't have been able to have had we not have gone down the polyamorous route to begin with so right. it was almost like polyamory cracked our foundation but then it was the glue that put it back together too yeah I think I think that's a uh, that's really cool. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. It's, yeah. That's a really neat story. And it's, it's awesome to hear that that's how it worked. And it sounds like you've obviously found some major benefits by exploring non-monogamy together. Are there, are there any other benefits you guys have seen in your relationship because of this lifestyle? Well, for me... So I'm going to monopolize this part of the conversation. (laughs) I'm curious curious to know what you're going to say. If it's going to be what I'm going to say. So for me, the biggest thing has been exploring different sides of me and really becoming um, my whole and best self. And especially exploring where it comes in terms of my sexual preferences and desires and kinks and things like that. And And being able to have partners who are as weird as I am when it comes to sex and who, you know, will do all the weird things that I ask them to. So that for me has been really fun is to just one, find like a, an amazing community of weirdos who I love spending time with and not weird because they do polyamory, but weird because we're weird. Um, <laughs> and just being able to like have those relationships and explore that side of me you know, in a different way. That's been really great for me. I would say the number one thing for me has been time for self. Mm-hmm. And it's been really great. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, which you can find on iTunes, Monogamy Disrupted. <laughs> he, I talked, look, I'm going to go ahead. Just I just got to, I got to plug it in. But look, a lot of times, you know, think about even your marriage, normalizing non-monogamy. When you think about how much time you spend together, Nadia and I have been together for 10 years, and I learn things about her every day, things that really amaze me and impress me. But there are those moments where you go, my gosh, like I'm seeing you 
day after day after day. He gets fucking tired of me. And during those, well, and during those moments when we were spending 24 hours, (laughs) during those moments when we were spending 24 hours a day together, it's just nice to have a little time to yourself or have time with other people. Either one of those, and and Nadia gives me that ability to to do that, to have time to myself and learn a little bit more about myself in the company of other people. Yeah, I look forward to the weekends where he's away with his girlfriend or, you know, the evenings that I might get to myself and not having to feel guilty about it. Cause like, I know he's having fun and I can just sit in my bathtub with a face mask on. I mean, I don't, I'm usually just drinking Jameson, but if I wanted to, (laughs) I could sit in the bathtub with a face mask on and it's really nice to have that alone time. So I I actually agree that because we used to do a lot of travel. So we lived together 24 seven nonstop for months and months and months at a time. We would see each other every second of every day unless one of us was in the shower unless one of us was in the shower it was like oh my god and even then like (laughs) yeah yeah shower together (laughs) how it goes that's how it happens (laughs) i I think it'd be easy for i think it'd be easy for people to hear you say that and say oh well they don't like spending time together but i think it's really the opposite it's that it really makes the time you do spend together so much more quality and that you're not just spending time together to spend time together. When you're together, you make it count. You do the, you do the stuff you want to do and you really appreciate it that much more. I, I guess that's my interpretation of that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't sit and watch TV together. We don't just turn on the television and like veg out very often. I mean, we're together, we're doing stuff that we both enjoy doing. We're taking our kid to the park. We are doing, you know, our podcast or we're doing something that we enjoy doing and we enjoy that time together. And we also are able to enjoy the time with our other partners as well. Like we have a really great time with all of our partners. And so we're able to just really I mean, we're, we are lucky. Like we are living an awesome dream life. And I love that. I love that we get to have that for ourselves and for each other. Yeah. Compersion is real. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really, ha- I mean, it's awesome to hear you guys are that happy and doing the things you want to do. And I mean, that's great. Yeah. I think compersion is like you said, it, it's something that is you don't really know how awesome it is until you experience it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time we went out to a bar with two other women that he was having relationships with. And I was, so, so he's there with two other women plus me. So you've got three ladies all around him and I'm just sitting there being like, this is so amazing. He's getting all this attention and like these girls are throwing themselves at him and he's just having the time of his life. And like, it was the first time I really truly felt like this is what it feels like to be happy for somebody else's happiness and pleasure. And it was such a good feeling. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. That's awesome. That's, that's- <laughs> No, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it is. yeah, it is. So I wanted to throw something to you guys because I've heard you talk about it on your show before and you talk about it in such a, a fantastic way that I think anyone listening to our show should obviously go listen to it. But also I want them to hear it from our show, too. So can you talk a little bit about how you guys handle consent within? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
that's a fan favorite on monogamy. <laughs> it is always enthusiastic and it is always verbal and it is an ongoing conversation. So just so when you first start talking to the partner, one of my favorite parts of this entire thing is negotiating consent and talking about what you enjoy doing and what you have fun doing behind closed doors or open doors, you know, whatever. And that is part of the consent conversation. And then when you get into the moment, you know, really saying like, okay, are you, you're good, right? You're down. We're doing this. Is it a hell yeah? A hell yeah. So for us, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a fuck no. So there is no in between. There is no maybe. It's not my job to be a mind reader. It's not your job to be a mind reader. So I'm going to specifically ask you, okay, we're ready. You consent, right? And that's how we have the conversation all every time. Even if before we send naked pictures or even any kind of scandalous pictures, we always ask, is it okay if I send this to you? Um, is it okay, you know, you want to jump in? I do want to <laughs> jump in. I want to leave space in case he needed to edit. You know, I've never, okay, I actually want to tell a story. I want to tell a story. Okay. So I was with a partner, and it was the second time we were together, and she's 30, well, she's 10 years older than me, basically. Amazing, right? She's going through some drama or whatever, divorce, whatever. And so one of the amazing things is we are, like, getting it in. We're 69, and we're having a good time. And I said, oh, your ass is really hot. She says, oh, thank you. And then I said, so are you like, this is as we're 69. I said, so like, are you into rim jobs? It's like kind of the C, because I see she shaved, shaved her butt. Big deal. Hey, I was cool with it. So she's like, I'm like, hey, are you into rim jobs? And she says, what's that? And I said, oh, that's like, you know, when you play with the anus. And she says, Oh, well, I guess if you are, that is not an enthusiastic consent. So when someone has that type of experience of, oh, well, I guess you can do that, that's a no. <laughs> you need someone to get excited. If you're getting ready to go down on this guy and you're going to lick his taint, you need to be able to know <laughs> that that is allowed, okay? You need to know, okay, I'm going to lick your cock, I'm going to lick your paws. <laughs> I'm going to lick your taint. Like, is that cool? That's a little different. So you got to be able to have those those types of permissions. So I love it when Nadia says enthusiastic consent. It's something that's really passionate to most of us, as you can tell. And you can make it fun. I've never met a woman ever where I said, hey, can I consent to this? And she goes, oh, my God, that was gross. Like, you should have just took it. Like, no one ever does that. Women appreciate it when their partner or partners, male, female, other, what have you, steps up and says, hey, this is something I'm interested in. And, and so she can decide, yeah, you're nay, at because, least for women. Because what ends up happening, if you don't have a consent conversation, then you're going to get in the bedroom with somebody like me. And I'm going to be like, cool, what I'm going to do is I'm going to choke you out until you pass out. And then I'm just going to keep fucking you. That's cool, right? And people say like, oh, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. But if you haven't had that conversation or people that are like, oh, talking about sex is lame or it kills the mood, I'm like, great. Let me just keep choking you until you can't breathe anymore. And then let's see if the conversation is still lame. And I say that a little cocky, but it's like, that's the same. That's how important this is. Because if you're some guy and you're like, oh, I don't need to ask for consent. Great. I'm going to shove it in your butt and let's see how much you want to have the con consent conversation after that. Yeah. So that's why we're so. <laughs> yeah, you guys should fucking run seminars on this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Yeah. 
you guys are amazing. So I, I really appreciate you guys telling your stories and, yeah, and sharing I, that. Cause I was that... Like, I've definitely been in situations where someone um, started to lick in places that I was not expecting. And it was like, okay, well, that would have been fine if you would have asked me. But because you didn't ask me, it's like, this is not okay. <laughs> Yeah. And you can make it sexy. Okay, right. we're going to get my sexy and audio voice on. Okay. So, oh, I really like going down on you. Your dick feels so good. Is it okay if I just lick your asshole? Would you like that? See, that's hot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I did not kill your boner. I no. did not kill your boner. Even if you say no, I did not kill your boner. You, it probably increased it. So you can still guy gal. You can still make this fun and sexy and get the point across. And we also believe one more point. Sorry. And then we can move on to something else. One more point is it has to be an ongoing conversation. So just because you consent to one thing, it is not blanket consent. Consent to sex is not a blanket consent to tying someone up and throwing them in a van and then shipping them off to a warehouse. That's not, that is not how this works. Consent to sex is like dick, vagina, or whatever parts you have between your legs. It's not like, okay, you can do whatever. So it's an ongoing conversation to make sure that what you're doing or what you plan to do is still acceptable and okay. Yeah. And I wasn't going to add. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm stepping off of my soapbox. Now. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add two quick things. One that you touched on. Uh, was not killing the boner. And I wasn't going to say from somebody who has struggled sometimes to maybe keep the boner in these situations, knowing that a woman is enthusiastically consenting to what we're doing is the biggest thing to make that not a problem. So for for any men out there who have that problem, I don't want to blame the women. I just want to say, Maybe the part of the problem is you're not sure that she's into it, and that's you being a nice guy and not wanting to do something that's going to offend her. The second thing is consent can always be retracted. Um, just because you said yes at the start, if if somebody starts doing something that you were like, holy shit, that's a lot, lot more than I thought, you can always walk that back. Yeah. And all the way back to the front door. Yeah. All the way back to the front door. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, well, let's like slow down. It can be like, you know what? Actually, I this, I'm done. I'm like, thank you. I'm done. So I love that. Yes, it can always be taken back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a. Uh... No, it's a really that's a, that's, a, that's an awesome conversation. Yeah, it's so a topic you. that we're very passionate about as well. Uh, so it's it's fun to have that interaction. Um, I guess just have an episode about this. We'll I know. Consent and how it's actually done and how you can make it fun and sexy and exciting. Because when somebody, when a man puts his hand around my neck and he asks, "Do you like this?" Oh my god, it's almost like an instant orgasm. It's like yes, and you can do it way harder. Like just keep going. Yeah. So I love it. So hot. <laughs> I guess similar to the c- consent conversation that we just had, um, how do you guys handle safer sex in in the non-monogamy world and and your, I guess, risk tolerance to that? And and your conversations with other people around it. How do you approach that? So I am super, so our risk tolerance is like as zero as it can be with sex. Um, So obviously it's never going to be zero, but we are very risk adverse when it comes to sex. So we always use protection, even though Malik has a vasectomy. So he's snipped but I don't use birth control because I can't handle the hormones so um 
so I like protection is always used for both of us at all times. And I am super blunt about this conversation. I just ask people, Hey, when was your last STD test? And if it was more than a certain amount of time, we'd be like, no, I need you to redo that. <laughs> like you need to make sure that you're clean. Um, so we just ask and we also really only have sex with people that we truly trust to not lie to us. Um, but we're, we have safer sex every time. I don't know. We're probably the worst people to ask this. <laughs> we, don't have a, we don't have a very fun answer to it. We use condos all the time. We don't, we're not fluid bound with anybody. Um, we, but you, you have that conversation with people, which is all, the hardest part sometimes is like to be upfront and just, you know, especially if things start to get sexy and you're flirting with people and you're like, how about we take a step back? You don't want to kill the mood by being like, well, when was the last time you got tested or what, you know, have that conversation. But that's part of part of it for us, you know, for most people, too. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, this, that's I don't know. That's how it goes. We're so boring about it. We just ask. We don't have Good. any sexy tricks. We don't, we just come out and like, Hey, you're like, you're tested. Right. And everyone's like, you know, yes. And I, like, if somebody comes at me like, Oh, I don't use condoms. I'm like, well, you don't get my vagina. Like you don't get me. Like this is, this is all off limits. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. we, weren't, we didn't need to have any revolutionary answers from you guys. We were just curious, you know, for for anybody who was looking, this this isn't your consent conversation, you know, where you guys are prophets. It's just. <laughs> I am totally going to quote you on that. <laughs> I love it. Um, so. But I think, but I do think that having the safer sex conversation is part of the consent conversation it because is. you consent to condoms or no condoms you consent to fluid no fluid because like if somebody starts using a toy on me that's just that's that can be just as dangerous as somebody sticking their raw dick in me so having that conversation of being like I am not going to use toys with you even is part of consent, uh, you know, unless you cover them with a condom and things like that. So this is really just an ongoing part of the consent yep. conversation. It is all related. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talk people like talk, have yes. a put on your big people pants and have big people conversations about what you want. Don't want what you don't want, what you enjoy, what's allowed for you, things like that. Like, yeah. You cannot do this without talking, talking, and then talking some more. And that goes back to the maturity. You all have intuitions inside of you that you can get a feel. And if you're hanging out and talking with other people, regardless of age that are mature, you know they know how to have that conversation. You know how to have that conversation. And that just helps in the entire process as it relates to talking. Thanks, Nolan. Yeah. yeah. I'm right. talking. Shifting gears just a little bit again, um, are you guys out to anybody in your community or uh, have you gone through that process and and what did it look like? Yeah, with any family or friends Yeah, family, friends, sorry. Yeah. All right. So we, yes and no, maybe. It's It's a little bit of in between. So where we live in the United States in the Southwest we have absolutely no family here. There's zero blood relatives, 
all my closest relatives are over in the mid-Atlantic and Nadia's is somewhere in the giant Midwest. So we have no issues as it relates to running into family. Now, with that said, we do have friends, we have coworkers, we have people that we engage with on a daily basis or in some way. And so we still want to be protective of not only our relationship, but our family dynamic as it relates to having a kid. So we do have one, two, we have about a couple, we have a couple friends that are not in the polyam lifestyle that know about the lifestyle that we live. And it's really great. And we talk about this in one of our episodes. I can't remember the exact number, but um, it's, is really, it on a podcast you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can find it on the iTunes. Right here. <laughs> well, it, hey, hey, it's really good. So yeah, we talked about this in one of our episodes where it's really nice to have friends that know about us and that we feel comfortable being around. And sometimes you just have those conversations and Nadia has this sort of a really, really good friend where we're hanging out at their house or we're going out to restaurants or bars and you just feel comfortable. It's nice to feel comfortable and know that the person across the table from you isn't judging you. Because even though there's a lot of us doing this, you're doing this, we're doing this, your listeners are doing this, we're still a small percentage of the general world, which still believes that monogamy is the way to go. And because there's so few of us percentage-wise, it is really nice to have those people that are not necessarily in that world, but don't say, hey, you're a bunch of jack-offs and you're disgusting people. And it's nice to really have that. So some people are we're out to, and as it relates to family, Naughty likes to say, it's none of their damn business. Yeah. So for me, it's hard for me to hide it. Like I walk around in a lot of leather. I look, you know, a little more like people always mistake me for a dominatrix, which could not be any further from the truth. But <laughs> that is how I, I show up like that all day, every day. You know, head to toe leather is definitely something that I wear. So I think even just if people have a little inkling of, the kink community or any of that, they're at least going to assume that, you know, and then that being like, she's in the weird shit. Yeah. into weird stuff. And then if they have any sort of conversation with me, the second I start talking about all the male friends that I go and do a lot of things with concerts, hang out out of town, you know, things like that. I don't particularly hide that. I do that with other people that are not my husband. And so it's like, people just flat out ask me like, Hey, are you, are you monogamous? Like, no. <laughs> and so that's kind of where it's gotten for me. Malik, not so much. He blends into society. <laughs> like, he looks, he looks fine. Um, well, part of me thinks that maybe you should step back on doing that, though. <laughs> Ser- no, seriously. Like, it, it, it raises concerns, and that's a conversation that we have. We're being real here on the podcast. But it is something that we, that's a conversation that we should talk about live on your podcast. <laughs> That's okay. There's, it's an open forum. <laughs> no. So we have like, we're, we're out to quite a bit of the people but I, that we are around. Our family, although, yeah, our family doesn't know and I, we don't really care. It's not a conversation that we feel like we even need to have with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so just thinking, people- how, how funny would it be if we like spun our computer around and we're like, look who's in the room. It's your family. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my parents would be like some fucked up reality show we've got going on. That'd be amazing. <laughs> New idea. All right. I would Creeper not watch status. That. 
<laughs> I wouldn't watch it, but I'm sure there's people on YouTube who would. Yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. It just popped into my brain and I thought I got to get this out. So. I love it. I love it. So that's kind of how we are out in our lives and world and things like that. Yeah. I think for us, I mean, we can re- definitely relate. Um, you know, our families do not know right now. I, maybe they will in the future at some point. But uh, our our we have a certain number of friends that that know and then a lot of our friends are people that we have met through being non-monogamous and it's just you can just be so much more yourself with them and you know I think unfortunately our friend group has started to shift a little bit uh to be um you know people who we tend to be can be more open with than people who we can't be and uh you know some of that I I try to I try to be the ambassador for people that I can't be as open with and at least try to be a person that if they have a question about something that's more taboo, please be the person that I think of that you can come ask that to because <laughs> I hope that they can, but I'm not going to, you know, put our whole relationship style on them either. Yeah. So it's being that ambassador, but also surrounding with people, surrounding yourself with people who you want to be surrounded yeah. by. And, and I'll be, honest too we if you were to run into us on the streets probably the most boring people you'd see you'd probably think i sell encyclopedias out of my <laughs> trunk or something so, uh, no one's gonna no one's gonna tag me for a, a swinger or in the poly lifestyle or a non-monogamous yeah or a dominatrix obviously because i'm not what? a woman oh, what was, so. are you a dominatrix do you know something that i don't yeah, so. <laughs> anyway yeah yeah um, are, are there any, uh, just maybe quick pieces of advice that you would give to somebody who's just starting to go down this road or starting to explore it that, that you wish you had known six months ago when you guys first started doing this, that you thought would be really beneficial. Don't have expectations of what this is going to look like because it will not look like that. And you have to be okay with things not going exactly as you have it in your brain. Mm -hmm. So be Mm -hmm. open to surprises, be open to change, be open to, oh, that's backward. That's not what I expected. You know, like for for us, I feel like expectations are unmet all the time. Like we have this ideal of what it's going to look like. And then that's the complete opposite of how it plays out. And so if we were so clinging to that expectation, we would, we wouldn't be here six months from now, certainly not six years or anything. We would have just been like, well, we thought we were going to be swingers. And the first time out, we, uh, you know, ended up in some weird single, you know, coupley thing. So I think you just have to be like have some you know, things that you want to have happen, but don't be so married to the expectation that you get disappointed or you get frustrated or things like that. Mm-hmm. No, that's I think that's, re- a, I was saying, that's a really okay, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. You can all tell me that I'm so amazing and wonderful. <laughs> it's the most amazing answer I've ever heard. Uh. <laughs> so now I'm going to flip that on its head and, and I'm curious. You, you said don't, don't be afraid to let it go outside of your expectations. What is it? Um, 
what would the ideal future look like in for either of you guys like moving forward what do you expect where would you expect it to shift from here for you guys just in the future great question and even just tonight we're having dinner we're hanging out on our patio and Nadia goes you know what Malik I think I think we need a domestic slave <laughs> that's the level we're at I just wanted to throw that out there and if you and like you asked earlier Nadia if you ask her the reason why we got into this is because she wanted a girlfriend Nadia loves the ladies. And I really want somebody to cook for us and clean for us and do our dishes who enjoys serving us. So I want a, I want a sex slave so that I, does domestic <laughs> service. I think it's the best. I will love her and care for her and beat her and do all the lo- lovely, wonderful things that we need to do. So it's, that's basically... That I'll beat, like, as in, like, playful, fun, sex. Sorry. I don't think you're expecting that answer. No, but I'm, now I'm curious. Is, there, is this job description strictly... Uh, female-based position, or would it? <laughs> I'm open. I'm open. open. I am also. I'm looking. We're looking for living. We're looking for living. I am so, also open, so they can find us at monogamydisrupted <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Please send us your application for yeah. domestic servitude. You can also be found on Twitter at monogamydisrupted. <laughs> oh That's our at handle. Okay. I gotta answer that question. Oh yeah, sorry. We totally that you actually you had an answer to this. I know I had. I thought that was the answer. Go ahead, keep going. There's more. There's more. (laughs) It's weirder, guys. So Nadia says, "I think we need a sex slave," and I said, "Oh, okay." So that just goes to show that a lot of our boundaries are forever expanding, and a lot of the realms that neither one of us had, they just keep going, open up and up. But one of the things we always always talk about is that we believe that love it can be multiplied and love is possible. And neither one of us are in a position at this point in time in any of our polyamorous relationship where we could potentially love someone and be that thruple that we often talk about. But we think we can get to that point where if, you know what, we meet the right guy. Or gal. Or, or, or other. I was into that. Thank you. If we meet the right gal, it's Malik, Nadia, and Guy. And if we meet the right gal, it's Malik, Nadia, and Gal. Did I say that right? I think I think I, I said that right. So we're up to that point of potentially having someone join our relationship and, of course, having it multiply. Because as much as I love Nadia, I think it's possible that Nadia can love someone else and that I could love someone else as well. But that's something that's way, way down the road if something happens at all. Yeah, like next Tuesday. You know, <laughs> yeah. we'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> <don't know. laughs> Going. We'll have a... a Sex slave by Saturday and a thruple by Tuesday. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I think our second business we're going to start is the the pairing of domestic partner for other couples. So, okay, please send us your resumes and we will forward them to anybody who's looking. <laughs> Small finder's fee. That's really good. Um, yeah. Really good business. <laughs> so, what part of the U.S. do you two live in again? We are in the Midwest, <laughs> so a ways away from you guys. <laughs> um, have camper will travel? Have vagina will travel? There it is. Vagina will travel. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the amazing Emma. What am I doing? Your... Last question. 
Yeah. To wrap okay. things up here, do you guys have a favorite resource that was particularly useful when you got started in this um, or that you found useful over time that you want to share with the audience? Or multiple resources since we know you don't like to be restricted to one resource potentially. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start off by answering this question. And thanks again for having us on the show. We had a blast. I think the number one resource for me was other podcasts. And it was really nice to to listen to other people's experience because that's one thing to read it. That's really nice. And, you know, see articles or see documentaries or movies or whatever like that. But it was really, really good for me to just hear the stories and hear a lot of those pitfalls that a lot of couples were navigating and going through before Naughty and I started doing that. And I think I'm going to pat myself on the back. I think a lot of the amazingness was because I did a lot of research as it related to any of this. And I encourage all couples to do it. Listen to a bunch of great podcasts out there. Um, I don't know if you want me to plug some. There's some really, really good ones out there. I really like That Couple Next Door and Real Talk Between the Sheets for the younger demographic that are interested in being non-monogamy, whether it's polyamorous or whether it's being swingers or just getting into various options as it relates to sex in general. Podcasts were a really, really good resource, at least for me. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, Monogamy Disrupted at all? That's one that we found has been pretty useful. You know, it's a really good fucking podcast they're really, right now. They're hilarious and they're drunk all the time. And it's oh so God. fun. And you can find them, I think, at monogamydisrupted.com. They're amazing, and you should um, listen to that. But no, I will second the podcast stuff. I don't. So it was Malik that really jumped into the podcast world first and started listening to a lot of the podcasts. And then I started listening afterward. So for him, I know it eased a lot of his tension and anxiety around being in this world, especially when we were really first. Like, actually, I had made the decision to like jump in with both feet. And I think it gave him a parachute to fall back on. Um, so that's definitely a great resource. And I think another one is just the local um, sex toy store here was really great because they were really welcoming and open about non-monogamy and they had polyamorous meetups and things like that. So finding local resources to feel welcome and loved was really helpful. Yeah, yeah we know there can be some some struggles as it relates to if you're dependent on where you live, maybe there's not a local local sex shop or economic. Sometimes people don't listen to podcasts, but if you're listening to this podcast, a really great local sex shops are really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your local clubhouse or um, any of like your sex clubs that you have, like those could be good resources too. Yeah. Although I'm yeah. sure I would have jumped in. Like I went to my first sex club a week ago. Right. And I don't think I would have enjoyed jumping into a sex club first. So doing some of the research and feeling it out and playing by yourself first in like by yourself, like not in front of a group, I think is for me at least would have been good. I'm glad I had that. I wouldn't have just wanted to jump in. So resources, Mm -hmm. then hit up the local sex club. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. No, that's all great advice. Yeah. I was going to say, so if it's not obvious already, people can find you at monogamydisrupted.com. But you want to plug anything else there so that people can uh, look you up? You can see my titties on Twitter. My Twitter titties. Twitties. My twitties. (laughs) At uh, monogamydisrupt. 
So find us on, and by us, I mean my girls, on Twitter at Monogamy Disrupt. And this is something that uh, people can listen to our podcast. We're always open. You know, and a lot of people may not realize this, but each episode, we try to have it always be 22 minutes. Why do we try to do 22 minutes, Nadia? Because it's like a sitcom. Our life is a sitcom. Uh, and without, without the commercials, every sitcom is very close to 22, 23 minutes. So that's why we yeah. keep those so short. I'm just going to pile onto that real quick and say, you guys pack a ton of awesome information into those 22 minutes. And that was something that was, I, I was telling Emma about it. Uh, like it's incredible to me how much you guys can say and how well you can say it and how much you cover in 22 minutes that it's awesome. So it's a very efficient use of your time. If you want to go get some kick-ass info, check them out. Yes. And that's not just me. And I know that we we, t- we tend to do a longer podcast because we're interviewing people, but I appreciate <laughs> having a little bit shorter podcast because when I go to listen to you guys, I, I when I found your podcast, I was like, it was less daunting to try to catch up <laughs> than, than if I knew each episode was less than a half hour than it was when each episode is two hours or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, yeah. T- Tons of amazing stuff. And seriously, again, thank you guys for coming on. It was awesome chatting with you and meeting you. And then when you guys sober up and you listen to this episode, you'll remember everything we talked about. So that'll be really fun. Oh, I like that he assumes that we sober up. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on the show. We, we had a blast. You two are amazing. Yeah, thank you Thank so you. Much. Thank you, guys. Well, have a great evening. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. So in case you guys didn't catch that, that was uh, Nadia Malik from the podcast Monogamy Disrupted. Um, They had a lot of great information. And again, we're super grateful that they were willing to come on the show. And we wanted to leave one more little resource that they didn't mention. And this kind of goes back to the discussion of consent and testing status. So uh, as you've kind of learned, you don't get into Nadia's pants if you're not tested. And so we would recommend the best way to do that is a website called stdtestexpress.com. It's super easy, it's super fast, and you can actually get your results in as little as like 24 hours. So Mm -hmm. if she calls you up at the last minute and is ready to jump on top of you, choke you out and ride you for a a couple hours, (laughs) make sure you've got, you got to get your test done. So uh, we'll put a link to that as well as all of the other resources that they mentioned in the show notes, uh, which are on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And um, yeah. Yeah, you can find us also on Twitter at the screen name NNM Podcast. And we wanted to just take a quick minute, thank everyone who has supported us through our launch series and for the podcast in general. We've had a lot of support from our friends and Uh, the podcast community and just the non-monogamy community in general and we're really appreciative of all of that yeah we again thank you guys everybody for for all of your support it's been really awesome these past couple weeks yeah we've had so much fun uh please check back next week Uh, we have another interview with our friends phoenix and beast who we met at desire and we will be talking about things like lesbians Husbands of lesbians and even some dragons. Yep. So subscribe so you don't miss it and we'll see you guys in a week. Bye.